And we're back with another episode of the Daily Stakes Podcast. I'm your host, Massimo Riccio, joined by my co-host, Nick. Uh, we unfortunately had to put Dylan on IR, uh, feeling a little <laughs> under the weather. So uh, we emptied up a bench spot uh, with uh, Dylan on our IR. We could pick up a free agent or something. Nah, I'm kidding. I think, uh, I, think he entered, I think he entered COVID protocols, but <laughs> we'll find out how the league deals with it. Uh, yeah, we'll see how the league deals with it. Speaking of COVID, uh, we'll get to that later. It's one of the biggest news in uh, talking points right now in the NFL. Uh, I think even the NBA, I think the Chicago Bulls kind of got hit real hard and there's a bunch of stuff going on, but... Uh, no, it's absolutely mind. crazy. COVID has taken over the leagues. NBA, it's, it's I think high. it was 25 superstars. 25 superstars, uh, seven teams in advanced pro, uh, COVID protocols in the uh, NFL right now. It's a little fucked, but uh, look, the show must go on. So, uh, you know, you know what it is, guys. It's a bit of a different format today. We're live on YouTube as well just to kind of clip video just like our private soft launch on our end just to kind of uh test the waters um and also obviously you guys can finally see our uh our mugs here you got to see the faces behind the voices uh uh moving forward so uh we'll get right into it uh you already know the drill um we got the usual uh news and notes around the nba and the nfl uh we're gonna cover uh, the uh, NBA's betting trends, according to our NBA Oracle, Nick. We got the marquee matchup. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a bit shorter since we are down Dylan. So we're going to be covering a coin flip, one dog pound underdog pick, uh, the usual uh, player props. Dylan sent us his player props. So uh, we'll, we'll run his down as well and try to do them justice, as well as the usual Thursday night matchup. Uh, and then we'll kind of fill you in at the end of the episode with some other stuff as the holidays are swinging around. And obviously the NBA is kind of big on Christmas day. Uh, we got a nice little uh, special uh, segment uh, next week's episode uh, to look forward to while uh, you have all that nice Christmas money to kind of splash on some parlays. <laughs> to you gamble know? when you're Just with your family. Use- yeah, don't use your grandparents' money. Obviously, it's not what they would want. Don't do it to the nonnies or how do you say it in Greek, Nick? Hit us with the, the how do you call it? The yaya and papu. Yeah, the yaya and papu. Don't 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 use their money, but everyone else's money is fair game. You know, I, they obviously wouldn't want you to be using it for nefarious uh, <laughs> things like uh, sports gambling. But uh, no, it's, 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 I took a look at the schedule. Uh, there's a couple of games I kind of circled on there, but we'll save that for next episode. So. Let's uh, get right into it. Uh, we're going to go into the news and notes. Like we were saying, um, COVID kind of doing some damage across all the leagues. We got seven teams uh, in the NBA, right, uh, in the NFL right now in uh, advanced COVID protocols. Uh, you got, I, they didn't really name most of them, but I know the one team where a lot of the reports are kind of coming out. Uh, the Rams looked like they had quite a few people. You had Odell Beckham and a couple of other players. Um Recently, Baker Mayfield and the Browns have been absolutely getting torched with uh, COVID-19. Uh, I think like almost half the team like tested positive and it's kind of scary because they got their game, I think, this Saturday. Let me just double check that for us. Uh, I think they're playing the, yeah, they're playing Saturday at 4.30. So on a short weekend, you got to get guys to get through. Uh, it's mostly for the vaccinated players where they need to present two negative tests within 24 hours of the game. So it's a bit tougher uh, for guys that are not vaccinated. Obviously, it becomes a bit more problematic. I think they miss much more time depending on how the schedule is for their teams. Um, I know uh, Alex Madison and a lot of the Minnesota Vikings as well. Some of them have been hit with COVID. So 
it's a bit of a nightmare in general just for the leagues, uh, but also for anyone who's doing fantasy right now. It's the fantasy playoffs are kind of getting into full swing this weekend. And the last thing you need to worry about is players going into COVID protocols and losing players to COVID. Um, it's crazy. It's nuts. Uh, I, I think whoever's had, like, especially because we have ourselves in a fantasy, uh, in our fantasy basketball league together. Uh, both sitting, I think, one and two still, nice and pretty. I'm, I'm kind of, sitting at seven and zero. Oh, that's why I have the title. Yeah, I, I've 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 slid down to four and three, but I've been getting unlucky with injuries. I mean, Doncic and Devin Booker haven't really been playing a lot, and they're a couple of like my major point getters as well. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is doing what he can for my team there, but it is what it is. Yeah. He's okay. Uh, He's nothing special. No, no, no. He's all right. Um, so let's take a look at some other news besides teams getting absolutely ravaged with COVID. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, expected to be out for the remainder of the regular season due to a sprained knee. Um, they kind of got uh, they got an, M- uh, an MRI and a scan done on his uh, knee, and it wasn't anything serious. But they're getting a second opinion to see if he does need surgery or not, and it could be a bit more problematic because he is obviously a weapon for Kyler Murray and. For a team that's sitting, they're what ten and three now after their loss against the Rams uh, mm-hmm. Monday night. Uh, not by the way, game. I love the Rams. I just want to point out the Rams took them on the money line. So thank you, Dylan. Yeah, they came Absolutely. through for you, eh? Finally, they, they came through. Finally, an NFL so you cash, came through for me. And you cash that? How you cash that parlay? Real nice, eh? Yeah, it was a nice three teamer. Um, but it played out to my again. The Cavaliers were on it. The money team got the Rams. Obviously, you throw in the Phoenix Suns that I'm going to touch upon later, but yeah. carry on. Sorry about that. No, no stress. So, uh, DeAndre Hopkins are going to get a second opinion, see if he needs surgery. If he does need surgery, I do expect him to miss uh, the playoffs as well, so that's a bit more problematic. Uh, other news, the league announced that Vegas is hosting the Super Bowl in 2024, so we all saw this coming once a team hit Vegas. like uh, It's unfortunate to see the Raiders get moved from Oakland with such a diehard fan base, but... That's going to be a pretty uh, pretty wild Super Bowl, I would think. If everything is slowly heading back to normal, I would like to believe that a Vegas Super Bowl uh, would be absolutely insane. Just the star power there. The, all the players are going to go for sure, whether they're in the Super Bowl or not. It's going to be a bit harder for teams to kind of keep the uh, guys that are in the Super Bowl in check, especially in, uh, in Vegas. But it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and then we got, uh, for once it's, we, we were going to be two episodes clear of any family members causing problems for teams <laughs> for once. Uh, but this time it's an actual, uh, issue with the coach. Uh, there's trouble in Jacksonville with urban Meyer. Uh, there's been reports that, uh, I mean, he's kind of always been a bit more on the scandalous side of things with, uh, Jacksonville. I mean, I think week two or three, he was caught getting a lap dance from like a, like a younger woman. Uh, in a bar after a game when they just got blown out. Uh, <laughs> now there's reports that apparently he doesn't know when some defensive players have been getting offensive snaps. I forget who the player was. He's like, oh, yeah, he's been improving. The guy saw zero snaps all season uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And then now apparently the the former kicker of the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars, uh, Josh Lambeau, apparently came out saying a story about how he got kicked during pregame warmups in a preseason game uh, where Urban Myers like walked up to him while he was stretching. He's like, yo, dipshit, make your kicks and like kicked him. And then the, uh, the kicker was like, oh, like, don't kick me. And he basically replied like, yo, like I'm the I'm the head coach here. I could kick you whenever I want. So it's not looking very good <laughs> in Jackson. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. I mean, look. 
I've seen college football coaches not really make the transition well to the NFL. Uh, Urban Meyer clearly not making that transition and obviously not realizing that it's a different ballgame. You're not coaching kids anymore. You're coaching grown men. You can't just walk exactly. around thinking you can establish dominance on them. Like I understand for college kids, they're going to be a bit more subdued because their careers are on the line. Their draft stock can fall if they're a superstar. Like you don't want to get on your coach's bad side where they can kind of negatively impact your draft, your draft stock. But in the NFL, these guys have made it now. Like you do, you kick a grown man. Like I'm surprised the kicker didn't just tell him to fuck off. Yeah, hundred percent. I if I was if I was a professional athlete and my coach was trying to kick me, I I would tell him you need me more than I need you. hundred oh, percent. Um, and that's kind of the mentality you walk into it. Talking about uh, that type of mentality, I think we should just move into the key betting trends that we that we identified from week fourteen. Uh, uh, in the NFL. In the NFL, I think it was absolutely crazy. I I tuned in on Sunday, and yeah. the favorites actually rewarded sports betters and all sports fans that kind of jumped on with eleven to one straight up wins and ten and two against the spread on Sunday. Like that's unheard of. The sports books actually got destroyed from a money to spend um, on on winner on winning tickets because. There was no upsets. Everyone was clear. All the clear favorites properly covered. And this was a spot for kind of the casual sports fans to kind of come jump in. Yeah, and definitely just be cash like, in. Exactly. So you know what that means next season or next week. Got these casual fans coming back with some money in their pockets. And I guarantee you, underdogs are going to take over. There's, uh, it's an even, it is, we've come to this part of the season now where there's no more bye week. So there's going to be plenty of games for guys to bet on. Uh, we got a Thursday night matchup. It's obviously just a, one Thursday night game, but we got a double header on Saturday. We got a bunch of teams playing on Sunday and we got the Monday nighter. So everyone's playing now from here on out for the next four weeks. We got a ton of football to watch a lot of opportunity to make money. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. We'll definitely keep that in mind moving forward. Uh, other trends that we've seen on Sunday. I mean, look, uh, betting the over also delivered a lot of money for betters. Uh, nine of the 12 games went over their uh, projections. So that's also a good sign that, I mean, also, we've had some overs that I remember we had discussed last episode that were alarmingly low. We've seen some at like 41 and a half, 42. But how about the NBA, Nick? Uh, have you been seeing? Obviously, I think you had said they had uh, kind of adjusted. The but it... Yeah, the, the NBA players are slowly adjusted to the overs. We, we saw the over move from an average. Well, the totals move from an average of maybe 209 to 216. And that's actually something I'm going to touch upon in the NBA side of what to look at, when to bet. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, you, you would think that they uh, would um, kind of adjust accordingly to uh, the overs and the unders in some of these games. But I mean, at, uh, and especially in football, like uh, 41, uh, 42 is a really low, sp- like over under the place. And you saw it. I mean, the overs all, all hit, uh, the almost all of them hit this weekend. We missed three. Um I mean, did you watch that Tampa Bay game with the Bills on Sunday? I mean, you want to talk about heart attack covers. <laughs> that was um, – I had to step out, so I didn't get to watch the remaining fourth quarter. Uh, but I when – the, when, the, when the Tampa Bay Bucks were up by 27 to 10, you automatically thought the game was a, was a lock. And then you check back in on, the, on your app, and you're like, oh, like what, what happened? How did the Buffalo cover? And so I guarantee you everybody that bet on the Bucks was stressing it out. Oh, they were for sweating sure. the game out. You see, you check your phone, they're going into overtime. You're like, what the hell is happening? 
Uh, the bright side of that game, uh, Dylan's player prop there uh, for Tom Brady came through on the rushing yards. Definitely hit the over there. I think he's uh, let me let me pull that stat up quick, quick here. I think he hit something like almost close to twenty rushing yards. Maybe give me a second. Uh, Tom Brady. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's uh, he hit seven rushes for a total of sixteen yards. He got yeah, he got I sixteen mean, yards there. It's a little. Uh, a little wild, you know, and then he, he obviously, since he's moved to Florida, he's been having a lot more fun on social media. I think I sent it to the group chat uh, when he was kind of like, yo, like to Tony Romo, Peyton Manning put a bit more respect. They're like, oh, he's slow in the pocket. Peyton Manning adjusted his ratings on Madden to lower his speed. And he's like, yo, no, put me back to 93. I could run the ball. Yeah, he deserves a- it. Honestly, after that game, he's a coach. Oh, 100%. Um so, I mean, uh, we already covered that note there uh, with his uh, running ability. The one run that really surprised me was the second one where he kind of lowered his shoulder and you're like, oh, no, he's going to like, he's going to lower the shoulder into someone. You kind of like hold your breath. Like, I hope he doesn't get injured, but he just like trucked the guy and went through for the first down. Um, he's been a different Brady in Florida. It's nice to see him uh, kind of having some fun uh, out in Tampa Bay compared to uh, New England where he was like pretty much professional, but I don't think that was like, up to him it was more bill belichick running a tight ship and wanting to keep his players in check so it's a bit different there um other surprises i mean look at look who covered again there nick the kansas city chiefs but that was dylan's team so i wish dylan was here so he could kind of jump in but they absolutely showcased patrick mahomes just came out Kind of yeah, it's, it's scary. They're getting hot right at the right time, especially that they're trying to make a. I think they've clinched the playoff, but I think there's a big, the, this big divisional game coming up on Thursday. We'll cover that a bit later against the Chargers. That's going to be a telltale sign of uh, how well, uh, how well of a picture we have of the Kansas City Chiefs. But on a betting side, I mean, these guys are covering again. I mean, we've been talking so much shit. I think through the first six episodes that these guys couldn't cover for for the life of them, and now all of a sudden these guys are. Uh, are covering so uh nick uh, take it away let's move into the nba segment i think that's pretty much uh, it for news and notes in the nfl uh, anything big happening out around the league in the nba uh last night steph curry broke ray allen's all-time record for the most three-pointers in the nba at madison square garden that's like remarkable from us from a nba player fan even if you're not a fan i'm sure most people who are not even nba fans know who steph curry is just given yeah. how, how prolific his profile is he has achieved over 2,974 threes over his career. And, I mean, he's nowhere near retirement. It looks like he has another three, four years unless unless he suffers a major, major injury. And he's on track to pretty much hit a total of 4,000 or more threes. Yeah, no one's um, going to break that record anymore. That that's We thought, I mean, me growing up watching Ray Allen, kind of the way he was kind of shooting threes, we're like, this guy's like the greatest three-point shooter of all time. There's no way someone could break that record. You got Steph Curry just completely crushing it, and he's going to have time to even further eclipse it as his career kind of plays out. But like you said, and barring some sort of super serious setback or injury, I don't think uh, someone's going to No, no one's on track to compete. It's literally impossible. He changed the game from that perspective in terms of shooting. It's been unreal. This guy's got... You think I could shoot from the parking lot? Like his range is not normal. Like, uh, it's insane. I remember my brother going to a Christmas Day game out in uh, Miami uh, when they played the Heat, and even my brother said, "Like, yo, this guy is like crazy. His range is not normal." And I think that was like before Curry blew up to to being as good as he is now. Like, you were starting to see the signs. 
he he's unbelievable. He's earned the respect of all the Hall of Famers in the NBA. Shaq says Steph Curry is his most favorite player. Um, he says the Lakers are no longer uh, a team that anybody should watch, just given their seventh place position. And that kind of leads me to my next point. The Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, they are in complete distraught at the moment. They have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. And with all the trade rumors going around in the NBA, the NBA, the front office for the Lakers is actually considering unloading Westbrook and training him to the Pelicans or another team that will be willing to take on his $44 million contract. Yeah, his contract so is really making things difficult right now. It's not normal. It, it's no crazy. I mean, that on. I don't think so. The only team that could probably take it on and what uh, the only and worth exploring are probably the Pelicans are exploring adding Russell Westbrook to Zion. That's if Zion ever returns this season because Zion needs a player like Russell Westbrook, but LeBron James and AD just don't mesh well with him. I kind of no, think I said that at the beginning. Well. They, they haven't been looking good. They're too stale. They're too old. And they're sitting in seventh place. Right now, they're they're playing against the Dallas Mavericks. At this very moment, I believe they're losing. Let me just pull that up right now. Yeah, they're actually tied, which is quite TV. surprising. Six I've seen seven, your setup. You can put that on the screen up there. <laughs> got the three screens, and I got the TV right on top to watch all games. But it leads Hell to my yeah. next point from news and notes. I mean, you have the Portland Trailblazers, still trash. Damian Lillard has not found his form this season. The Bucks are surprisingly struggling, something that you would never see. And Giannis Antetokounmpo actually got into COVID. But one team that is most surprising, the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden is under COVID protocols. you got the Nets playing with mostly their entire bench. None of their starters are on other than KD. And KD is literally cementing himself as one of the GOATs this season. He is in the front runner for MVP along with Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic. And he has put the Brooklyn Nets on his back. Now, with that... Kyrie Irving might even return to the Brooklyn Nets. So if that's even the case going forward in the second half of the season, the Nets are going to be the team to beat. I don't want to say it, but it's the truth. I, I agree. It, and and honestly, like right now, what's crazy is, is that uh, what we got a problem with now is that but the thing is, is that what's uh, what's going on with with. Um, with Kyrie, because apparently he still doesn't meet the requirements within New York to be able to play for COVID. So are they going to start making him play away games where he can play? Or, like, that's the thing is, how do you handle this? He's not getting vaccinated, obviously. So he can't play. He's not eligible to play in New York because of the current uh, restrictions in place. But what do we, what do they do moving forward now? Like, what's the story? Like, do you make him play away games? Because at first they were just against it altogether. I, th- I think, uh, I don't know the full scope of the story just yet because he did release a, a story or a video on his Instagram. But I believe you make him play the away games and then eventually if he decides to get vaccinated, then you let him play the home games because he is definitely a missing piece that they need at the moment. I mean, you add Kyrie Irving into the mix with the Nets. You literally, oh, they're they're going to be, they're they're be crazy. Untouchable. They're going to be untouchable. You won't be able to beat them from a skill level. The whole team will have to play on their A game the entire 48 minutes. And when you have KD wanting to play 48 minutes a game, that's even as difficult as it could be because he attracts two, three defenders at a time. So you're playing, you're already playing at a disadvantage. So NBA, consider yourself lucky. Kyrie Irving is out because KD is hot. James Arden has finally found his groove. And Patty Mills is slotted and nice to replace Kyrie. Until that's going to be a four-headed beast with uh, Patty Mills out there too now. It's no longer a three-headed monster out in Brooklyn. Exactly. And now Assuming we're going to kind of leave. Back. Assuming we'll see what happens. I'm sure he'll come back for the playoffs. 
What yeah. what player doesn't want to play the NBA playoffs? Honestly, oh, you work your whole sure. career to get to that level. Yeah, no kidding. You you obviously want to to be able to play right and to get there. And I mean, look, Kyrie's done it. He had LeBron. I mean, LeBron. People will say it was LeBron who needed Kyrie. So uh, I think he does. I mean, we're seeing it now. He's struggling, even though he's got KD and Westbrook out there. But like you said, Westbrook is pretty much the issue there. Um, so we'll see. Um, let's uh, let's get into the betting trends uh, for the NBA, bud. So this one's a little different. I actually uh, broke it down by – took a selected number of teams that had the most plus point rating per quarter to give you guys an idea of how to bet these teams going forward. So the first game is we have the Phoenix Suns. This These guys are currently sitting at 21-4. and four. And I wish I could show you my screen because it's so detailed and it's so in order. Essentially, when you want to play with the Phoenix Suns, you want to take them on the second quarter. Uh, on the second quarter spread. Now, these are all unconventional NBA bets. The casual fans have never bet on a quarter. They usually bet on game types. So game types involve full-time games, whether it's money line, the spread, or the over-under. In this case, we're getting specific and we're betting directly on the NBA quarters. So when the Phoenix Suns play, they're currently a plus 13.9 net rating in the second quarter. That means that in the second quarter, they're coming out and blowing teams out. Um, and usually... Rank first. Rank first in that segment and they're plus 13.9 so on average they put 13.9 points more up than their opponent in the second quarter so that's just a trend for you guys to watch when betting on the suns if you're hesitant to take them on on the full game spread or player spread next and keep it we, keep in mind hold on keep in mind Devin booker starting to do some on-court work after that injury and when he gets back i think it's going to be even better for them even from a when, betting perspective to get those extra points as soon as Devin Booker re- returns from injury, give him one or two games to get readjusted, then bet the Suns on the full game spread. These guys are just... The, the role players are picking up slack, so when you add in Booker back into the mix, they're just going to continue to dominate. Uh, sure. so keep that in mind. Next, we got the Golden State Warriors, 21-5, and five, sitting close to the top of the Western Conference. And these guys know are, are currently sitting at a plus 24.3 net rating in the third quarter. Honestly, it's been obvious that like the Golden State Warriors have been one of the teams to beat this season. But mm-hmm. I don't know what Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, gives us in terms of a halftime speech. But every time these guys come out of the, the locker room at halftime, they end up putting up, on average, 24.3 points um, and kind of just dominate the other teams. And this is kind of in relation to uh, their previous seasons when they were kind of dominating the NBA. So if you look at if we go back all the way to 2014, they, they sat up plus 14 and a half net rating in the third quarter, 2015 plus 12 and 12.9 net rating, 2016 plus 23, then 2017 and 2018 inclusively plus 17 and plus 11. So if you look at the trend over the last five seasons, considering how the team is playing this year, all those seasons that they had, uh, that they were dominant in the third quarter, they either went to the championship, won the championship start, or won the NBA finals. So all this to say is, Golden State Warriors are ranked first in the plus net rating in the third quarter. So any bets you want to take on the Golden State Warriors, the safest bet is to take them on the third quarter spread because you're getting little spreads as opposed to how much dominance they're having against the opponent. So that's a for team sure. Player. And you, like you were saying, like I'm looking at the notes here for, for the Golden State, like you said, that stat about how they've been scoring so much in the third that they, they're three for five in the NBA Finals. They've won the championship three times out of five when that rating is really up there. So it's it's really impressive. And 
just imagine we still we're still seeing it. We're still waiting on uh, Clay Thompson. Imagine when he gets back, right? We're still waiting for him to make his season debut. It's gonna happen on Christmas time, and I'm actually gonna cover that game next week. So yeah, game, it's like Golden State uh, Warriors versus Phoenix the Suns. Suns. It's gonna be a Christmas good one. Christmas time That's special. That. Definitely gonna have that one on. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Um, and then I'm just gonna guys leave you with like three more teams of spreads that you guys should look at. So Brooklyn Nets. If you ever see the Brooklyn Nets are trailing by less than 10 points entering the fourth quarter or the last five minutes of the game, you always want to take the Brooklyn Nets on the plus money, uh, plus spread. I don't know what it is. Actually, I do know what it is. Uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant are the most dominant duo right now in clutch situations. They know how to close out the fourth quarter, whether they're winning or losing. So again, if you see the Brooklyn Nets trailing in the fourth quarter by less than 10 points, and there's still five to six minutes left, and James Harden and Kevin Durant are on the court, take the Brooklyn Nets to either cover the game on the money line or take them on the spread with the yeah. points. You're getting good value with points with the two most dominant duel in the NBA to close out games. Now, for live betting, that's and you can't ask for a better uh, combination. So just keep that in mind if you're betting on the NBA. And then sure, finally, sure. one... One one more team that I want to bring to your attention is the Utah Jazz. Now, the Utah Jazz, they have been one of my favorite NBA teams I like to bet on. However, from a statistic perspective, they have been extremely, extremely dominant in the third and fourth quarter spreads. They're ranked second right behind Golden State Warriors in the third quarter, and they're ranked, fourth, uh, ranked first in the fourth quarter. This means that regardless of what the outcome is in the first half of the game, any game that the Utah Jazz play, they come out and dominate the second half of the game. They always seem to put up more points than in the beginning, averaging maybe 35 or 44 or 40 points. So the Utah Jazz, when they enter a game, they're usually high spread value, ranging like minus seven, minus eight, minus nine, or even double digit spreads because just other teams can't compete with them. And then you're not getting, there's too much risk associated with taking a double digit spread on the Utah Jazz. So essentially you want to take third quarter and fourth quarter bets on the spread in favor of the Utah Jazz because you're only getting a differential of minus two and a half, minus three, and that acts a lot in your favor. So the Nets, uh, the Jazz, dominant in the third and fourth quarter. So take them on the spread, um, and you'll thank me later once you start cashing in some bad slips. Yeah, they're not the when you say Utah Jazz, they're not the sexy team name you want to hear coming out there. But I mean, if they're making you money, what does it matter? Exactly. I mean, even even LeBron James and KD, everybody says Utah Jazz. Like, who the fuck are the Utah Jazz? They never had a superstar team. They have a good team. They just don't have that team to bring them to the finals. That's the problem. I mean, look, I mean, we say the Utah Jazz as of late. I'm, I'm obviously significantly, I'm not significantly, I think I'm about two years older than you. Um, growing up in the 90s, the Utah Jazz were a pretty solid team. They've caused some problems for uh, Jordan's Bulls over, uh, over the years. So, you know, they're not as good as they were maybe then, but... They're still a they're they're a decent team. They just don't have those big name ish players. Like what we got? Is Rudy Gobert still there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they have, they have a fantastic team on paper. Um, and yeah. even when they enter into the Western Conference playoffs, they have a fan, absolute amazing team. The chemistry is there. Their team has what it takes to win the championship, but they just haven't proven that that toggle. They haven't been able to get past the Western Conference final game. They always end up losing that series, whether they're up three one against a shorthanded Nuggets team. Or whoever they're playing, they end up choking, which is quite surprising just given the level of, uh, of skill on that team. And Dwayne Wade is actually, 
And there's a lot of concern because Dwayne Wade is actually considered a consultant or an advisor to the Jazz mm. to give him act as a mentor. And he's concerned that Donovan Mitchell, if the Utah Jazz don't get out of the Western don't Conference, Donovan Mitchell might leave and he might go to another team and his services will good. be much better elsewhere. This guy's an absolute tank. When you have when you have a player putting up 50 points, a playoff game, like you don't want to lose him at all. Oh, definitely not. So, I mean, look, you got to hold on to your, your star talent when you can. That's the biggest, biggest issue, especially it's, I don't, I don't think Utah's like, I wouldn't consider them a big market team either. Um, they're probably like somewhere in the mid market. I'm not going to say small market like Milwaukee, but then again, uh, Milwaukee, not the worst, um, right now because they've obviously got, uh, your boy, uh, your little, uh, My boy Yanis. there. Yanis. <laughs> You know, so no, they've been uh, extremely dominant. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So you know, it's not uh, absolutely crazy, but uh, you know what, man, uh, is what it is. Uh, they're looking all right, so we'll see. Now uh, let's move into uh, the marquee matchup where we got your Indianapolis Colts taking on the New England Patriots, and I think yeah. this is a top game. You think so? I think it's a trap uh, game for uh, the Colts. I they're the favorites, though. I'm, I'm I've even chalked them. They're considered favorites, considering the run New England's been on. I, I, I look. I mean, they probably feel really good about it. But like I said, we've spoken about Bill Belichick. You said it. This guy just you, you keep telling me. He's like you keep saying it, Max. Like this guy just wants to win. He doesn't care how you win. He just wants to win. But uh, unfortunately, uh, they're coming to Indianapolis for this game at Lucas Oil. Um, it's not going to be a game where the weather can be a factor like it was that Monday night that we were all watching uh, where these kickers had to kick completely to the right to hopefully curve it through the uprights. And uh, just an absolute nightmare where Josh Allen, despite having the absolute arm that he has, is underthrowing his receivers. Uh, um, you know, so uh, look, this game is going to be interesting. I, I like it. I mean, look, uh, Bill Belichick has proven with this team uh, the the – the Pats are very, very good on the road, and I think they haven't lost a game on the road all season. Um, so that automatically removes home field advantage for the Colts because Lucas Hoy- Lucas Oil, when it's rocking, it's a rocking stadium. The fans come out. They really love uh, that team, especially that we've kind of turned it around recently and have been pretty decent uh, considering that we had Carson Wentz's first year as our quarterback. Um, actually, no, it's his first year. Uh, it might be a second year. No, we just picked him up in the off season, so no, I don't think so. I think it's his first year. Um, look, I mean, I'm. Oh yeah, it was Philip Rivers last year during COVID. Yeah, so it's his first year at quarterback, um, and he's been doing all right. It was a bit slow at first. Like uh, I've been looking at kind of his stats here, and the biggest thing with with this game, what we need to look at is. They're both playing really well despite the Colts losing to uh, Tampa Bay, which would have been a statement game beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. They almost played a near-perfect game of football, and then a couple of late mistakes really kind of costed them. And you give Tom Brady that opportunity to get back in the game with that Tampa Bay offense, it's very difficult. So it was heartbreaking. I mean, not about as heartbreaking as watching the Baltimore Ravens go absolutely nuclear in the second half way back in the earlier uh, <laughs> stages of the season where we're looking like we're about to kill them. And then all of a sudden, uh, 
I'm watching my Colts get uh, beaten overtime and um, then my fantasy team's getting obliterated because uh, Lamar Jackson decided to go go into full all-star mode and just hitting all the targets I needed him to not hit. Um, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, The biggest thing right here is we all know how Bill Belichick coaches. He tries to remove your star player and force you to win without them. Um, Jonathan Taylor... uh, was facing Tampa Bay a couple weeks back before the bye week. And um, the thing is, is that they did contain him to under 100 yards, but he still managed to find the end zone. So he's looking pretty much matchup proof. He put up like 89 yards and a touchdown. So he's doing pretty well, regardless of how tough the defense is. How Bill Belichick is going to contain him and try and keep this team uh, to keep his team in contention, we'll see. But then again, New England Patriots defense has been absolutely sensational so we're gonna see how that kind of goes we all know it you said it you expect that bill belichick game where it gets ugly um and hopefully you're gonna need carson once to play better i mean look uh i look at his last two games 306 yards first 300 yard game of the season against tampa bay he had no choice two for three touchdowns uh unfortunately two costly interceptions which kind of turned the game around and then you had him throw for 158 yards and two touchdowns against the texans which in reality, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they shut out the Texans that game. And Jonathan T- Jonathan Taylor, again, obviously running wild on on the defense, uh, running wild on the Houston Texans defense. So, look, um, it's going to be – that's what's going to be the real factor here in terms of from a pure spectator's perspective, how this game is going to play out. If Bill Belichick can contain Jonathan Taylor, they have a very good chance of hoping that Carson Wentz just doesn't uh, ball out uh, against them. But we'll see because Frank Reich's been doing a pretty good job at getting Jonathan Taylor out into the open and finding space for him to get it going because he knows that's his weapon and that's what they're going to run with. So it's going to be a battle of the coaches. But then again, you're going against probably the greatest coach of all time. To the, greatest coach, the greatest coach to ever coach in this league, period. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for uh, Frank Reich to go up against that. So... We'll see how he adjusts with the team. Uh, let's take a look at uh, some more uh, on the betting side of things. Um, Pats opened up as uh, five and a half, uh, five and a half, five point five underdogs at plus five point five. Uh, Indy at uh, minus five and a half. Uh, since moved to plus two and a half and minus two and a half. I'm still, like I said, like but when we opened this one up, I'm a little surprised that um, Indianapolis is the favorite here. Uh, but then again, uh, anything can happen, and hopefully they can pro- probably put a, a stop to this win streak from uh, for uh, New England. Um, the percentage of bets and where they're placed are kind of close. You got 58% of the bets uh, for the spread on the Pats and 42% on Indianapolis, but the money split is where it's interesting as a huge chunk of the money is placed on the Colts here against the spread. They got them at 76% uh, of the money placed on um placed on the Colts um we'll get to their to to the Patriots record uh some records against the spread a bit later once I break through these opening lines because they have an incredible record in general in terms of betting as of late um and especially as the underdogs but we'll get there um the over up and uh, over under opened up at 48 um since moved to 45 and a half that one's a bit tricky because obviously a very good defense Mac Jones plays great football the um 
the 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 Indianapolis secondary is very very um, they're they get exposed sometimes, and you got some guys who take some really stupid pass uh, pass interference penalties downfield, like Rocky Essen. I think he the game against Tampa Bay he took like three. It was like absolutely stupid. So they're prone to making mistakes and kind of helping out. Uh, opposing team wide receiver. So maybe unless they, they're a bit more disciplined, I could see this kind of working in their favor, but all in all, I mean, Indianapolis's defense is not the worst, but their secondary has been looking a little uh, vulnerable. So it's going to be a bit interesting because I think Mac Jones is going to have to maybe step up and make some bigger plays to kind of uh, get things going. Cause the Indianapolis uh, rush um, defense against the run has been all right. Like they can stop the run, and there's not many superstar running backs out in uh, New England, so we'll see. Um, so the over under I find is a little low here, but it could really very much well hit the under, um, considering the way Bill Belichick coaches, you know. So, and and this from a from a betting perspective, I mean, you mentioned that the the lines opened up at plus five and a half, minus five and a half, over under opened up at forty eight, moved down to forty five and a half. So there's been a big swing in points on the spread and on the under. And on um, the under. On the total, sorry. It just shows that the public absolutely hammered. And the Sharps actually actually bought in at the path at the plus five and a half. And that For they sure. bought in at the under as well. Because they expect it to be a gritty game. Just like we all mentioned, Bill Belichick doesn't care about putting up points. He just wants to win the game. Like yeah, this is where 10. this is where betting against the spread gets a bit ugly. But like, I, I'm gonna get to the the records against the spread later. But it can get ugly. It really can. That's the problem. But the thing is, this benefits the Pats to cover because they are the underdogs. So whether they Agreed. win or they lose by less than a field goal, they cover. So you know, well, not uh, necessarily. You get two and a half points. So uh, in in this case, I think I think we should. I think this is a good spot to kind of jump into the trends. So, if you yeah, want, I'll let let's me... take a look at that because there's not much value on the money line here. I mean, except for the fact that the Pats opened up as favorites and the Colts as underdogs, and then it just kind of flipped. And we've seen that before over the course of um, us broadcasting our podcast and over the course of the season while watching. So, uh, but yeah, let's take a look at some of the trends here because uh, the Pats are have been absolutely fucking stellar uh, against the spread. They're, they're up there with the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers in terms of covering. They're 9-4 and four against the spread this season. Um, what's more alarming, though, and I guess benefits betters at this point, I mean, against the spread doesn't really matter for the total outcome of the game, like whether the Colts... I hope the Colts win, obviously, because we're in the hunt for a playoff spot, but um, the Pats as underdogs have been pretty much lights out covering the spread. They're 3-1, and one against the spread as underdogs five and one against the spread on the road. These guys are unreal road warriors uh, and they're six and two against the spread after a win. So a lot of positive trends for the Pats here um, and also five and one against a team with a winning record. Everything's looking Pats uh, in terms of the spread and it looks good, but like you said, it could be a trap game because this game could go either way Um on the over, I mean, they're not as impressive because, like you, like we've said multiple times, Bill Belichick just wants to win. He doesn't care if he if he could put up the points, he will. If he doesn't, he doesn't really care. He just at the end of the day, he wants to see that win column move. So, the over trends aren't exactly um, great. I mean, six and seven uh, uh, this season in Pats games, the over, and three and three when the last game stayed under. So, not incredibly impressive. 
Um, the Colts, though, I mean, even them against the spread aren't the worst either. Uh, you got them at eight and five against the spread this season. Uh, pretty good when they're set as the favorites. Three and two against the spread as favorites. The problem is, is they're playing at home and against the spread at home, not very pretty. Three and four. Um, but the over trends are much better for the Colts here. So I think putting it all together, if we want to kind of break this game down uh, from a betting perspective, obviously as a homer, I do want the Colts to win, whether it's ugly or not. Uh, but uh, I think the over, if if John, if Frank Reich could kind of outsmart Belichick, which is very, very unlikely, obviously, um, Unless Carson Wentz, Wentz plays out of his mind, I mean, I could see the, the over kind of hitting. I feel it's a little low on this front here because I think Mac Jones could also exploit the Colts secondary. So your value here and where you kind of want to play um, the money is maybe somewhere along the over. I like the over despite a lot of people hitting the under here. I do think the over can hit and the Colts have got a very good record with the over in their games all season. Plus... When the last game has stayed under, they're 4-0 uh, the next game on hitting the over. And it's low enough for them to really think, I think, can this game can hit. So uh, the over, and I think just going for a straight-up winner, because it's like plus 2.5, minus 2.5 the spread. It's I, I would take uh, the, the Pats on the plus 125 money line. I mean, yeah, plus 2.5, you're not covering anything. A field goal still, still screws over your, your spread. So yeah, it still co- screws over the cover. So at that point... Take and, them and, on the straight and, out money. And Indianapolis has a track record of having some really great kickers. So I, I wouldn't put it past them to win by a field goal, if not more. Um, so I think you're, the real value and where you should kind of be looking at is playing the over-under. Definitely look at the over. I really like the trends against the over. Uh, and, and maybe taking just a straight-up winner. Um, you're going to go Pats. I would take the Colts as a straight-up winner because obviously – that's my homer bet. I'll, I'll I'll even slap that one on a parlay. I'll post that one up for everyone to take a look. I'll place my uh, my parlay on this one. Um, let's get into the coin flip though, Nick. Uh, we got a bit of a. We keep saying these games with the Steelers are going to be like going to be like. One second. I think I lost a bit of the connection. Not sure what's going on. Can you hear me? Uh, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Hold on. Do you hear me? Do you hear me, dude? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. My I don't know what happened with my my headphones. They just disconnected. Now I connected to the laptop. So let's just. Uh... I got I got muted there. It was a little weird too. I said that my mic got unplugged, but it might have been yours. Um, okay. I, Growing pains, but we keep saying these Steelers games are going to be uh, snoozers, but uh, that Thursday nighter against Minnesota was a wild game, and Big Ben, as much as I've been talking trash, uh, he stepped up when he had to to kind of get his team into a winning position, so uh, Nick, take us through it. I mean, uh, Titans versus Steelers on the coin flip here. Uh, I'm liking liking it as a breakdown. It's Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a game you kind of want to compare on the slate. Um, how's exciting as the other ones coming into this game, especially oh, like with sure. the Patriots and Colts. But and it wait is till we get to the Thursday game. nighter. Wait till we get to the Thursday nighter. That's even better. That's a good I mean, one. Yeah, it could go either way. I mean, you have the Titans that just came off a shot-all win against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. But, I mean, that's kind of expected. The Jacksonville Jaguars are just in turmoil. Pittsburgh yeah. and Big Ben had an 
awful start against the Vikings. And then he actually came up and he did what he had to do as a professional quarterback to kind of bring his team back into the game. But the guy that fucked up big time for the Steelers, <laughs> our boy Chase Claypool, I think Good that was Canadian one of the most kid, unprofessional, um, un unaware of your current situation to do what he did. And I think he got absolutely demolished on, on social media. Zero, zero timeouts. Uh, Two-minute drill. They're running a two-minute drill to get downfield to get them to at least tie the game. Or maybe I think they were they would have won the game with a touchdown and the extra point. And this guy hits a nine-yard slant and celebrates like he just secured the game for the team. I know. Like, w- and then the worst part is that I think I may have sent that to you guys. Did you see what he was saying in the press conferences after? He's like no. blaming everyone but himself. He's like, oh, like they knocked the ball out of my hand. Like, dude, this is a problem with these younger. I think it's just a, a Pittsburgh Steelers thing. I mean, you had what Juju Smith Schuster just doing TikToks on opposing teams' uh, yeah, logos last year, and then you got this idiot. It's the young. I don't know. Pittsburgh Steelers receivers have just not been. Uh, very good for the team apparently it's just it's it's awful agreed and kind of their off their on field and off field antics are actually transitioning to the way uh the public is actually betting on the Steelers so yeah. i'm going to i'm going to break down the spreads and the and the and the over yeah, here hit us with the opening lines here nick um the bookmakers surprisingly opened up the titans well not at plus 3 and the pittsburgh steelers now ever since the opening line came out line has actually moved in favor of the Titans, making them minus one and a half favorites and placing the Pittsburgh Steelers as an underdog. So that's yeah. a plus four and a half, plus five differential that has moved by the public just based on their betting history. Um, and it just goes to show that the public has no faith in the Steelers anymore, just given kind of their recent performances, how Big Ben has been playing, how your superstar wide receiver um, Chase Claypool should be playing and just it's it's I think personally I think it's a big mess at at the Steelers and I don't think they should ever they should be uh, favorites in any game going forward for the rest of the season yeah no, no. I completely agree um, the only thing kind of working in their favor here after we watched the game last week where Dalvin Cook basically ran wild on that defense is that the Titans don't have Derrick Henry because if Dalvin Cook went for I think almost close to 200 yards I think three touchdowns. No, he went for two right. touchdowns because I, I think I took a Madison bet on that game right before uh, Cook was, really, was was considered in. So yeah. I, I was watching the game and I, I lost that bet just because Cook took over. So it was Yeah, it was, uh, it was unfortunate because um, not for anything, this guy has been coming back pretty strong after injuries where you think he's not going to be back uh, in short order. But... I mean, look, uh, if, if Derrick Henry was there, I really think the the spread would be a, a lot higher because just with the poor yeah. performance on the run defense and what we've seen Derrick Henry do up until he went down with an injury. If, if Henry is there, the, the Titans would probably be minus six and a half favorites, Easily. even minus nine and a half. Easily, especially after last week. They would have definitely adjusted it after what we saw with what Dalvin Cook was able to do on the ground. So. Agreed. I th- Let's take a look at the over-under, though. The over-under yeah, is looking so a little low also. It's crazy what these books set the lines at and how fast it moves the opposite direction. The, op- the over-under opened up at 47, and it's now moved down to 41 and a half. It's, like, unbelievable. So the public absolutely so- smashed it down to 
one and a half, and we're actually seeing a large amount of money now placed on the over, just given how low the number is. Like Dylan's alarmingly low. That's alarmingly yeah. low. I mean, I think I think the teams are considering that the Titans will put up points and maybe the Steelers will get blanked again, or the, the Titans will blank their opposing teams. But like Dylan mentions every every week, when a total over under is set of 41 and a half between two football teams. That's extremely, extremely low. And if it goes under, then you're just wasting your money going to that game because that's a very, very boring game. Uh, but sure. otherwise, I mean, such a low total, 41 and a half, regardless of where the public is betting, I would, just professionally speaking and numbers speaking, I would take the over on this game. Just at 100%. sitting at 41 and a half. It's too low. And honestly, I think the, uh, the Tennessee offense can do it. And if the way we've been kind of seeing as much as Ben Roethlisberger hasn't doesn't come out the gate strong. The second half, you see him throwing. I think he threw for what three touchdowns the last week to kind of get his team into into play. That's already right out the gate right there. Assuming no one misses an extra point, you got twenty one points right there. Exactly, it's good. you're already it's halfway there. And and if we take it to perspective, like the betting stats, so the Titans are actually pretty good against the spread this season. They're sitting eight and five against the spread overall. Three and four against the spread as favorites. Um, and that's the, at the case when they open up as favorites. In this case, they open up as underdogs. Four and two against the spread on the road. And then five and three against the spread as they covered. After they covered their last game and after they won. So essentially, with the line moving from plus three to minus one and a half on the Titans, you're, the, the just based on the betting trends, it seems like a reasonable, logical play to take the Titans on the spread. But if we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, just to give some individuals some more comfort on what side to lean on when it comes to spread betting, you have the Steelers coming at 5-8 and eight against the spread this season. I mean, Big Ben is Big Ben. He has his name Big Ben for a reason because he's big. Um, nobody can't likes to fucking Ben. Move. He can't <laughs> fucking move. Exactly. I, and the fact that – I don't know if you remember that play. I remember watching that, that. I remember vividly laughing when I saw this. He the pocket collapsed around him, and I just saw this man run the slowest, maybe 10 yards I've ever seen run in my life. And the fact that no one from Minnesota was able to hit him, and you let Big Ben get a first down with his feet, the way we've been seeing him move is fucking embarrassing. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, even if you look at their 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 betting trends at home, they're two and five against the spread at home. Um, and they're two and zero as home underdogs. But again. They opened up as favorites. They're not considered underdogs based on the line movement. So that that spread shouldn't really be too much, or that trend shouldn't be too much Agreed. of a factor in your decision-making, essentially. Um, and then when we look at the totals, like the over-under, the over is 7-2 and two in Titans game, and the over is 6-7 and seven in the Steelers games. So regardless of of how uh, the teams come out come out and play with a like we said with an over under so low at 41 and a half big ben could put up points unexpectedly which is quite surprising and then tennessee titans have what it takes to put up a minimum of 70 points on their end as well easily it's not the jacksonville jaguars here i think the the tennessee defense can't uh, can't fall asleep at the wheel here because obviously like we saw big ben can get his team being a veteran quarterback that's what it is he could yes he, he comes in and does what he can so, I mean, how do we put this one together? What, what, what's the play here, Nick? What are we doing? Are we going with... Uh, I wouldn't touch the spread at this point. If it, if it... Sorry, I lost it again. For some reason, it's like unplugged. 
Yeah, I lost a bit of the signal, but I, I would, I would personally, just given how bad uh, the Steelers are this season, how much you can't trust them, at least from a betting angle. Maybe from a fan angle, you're kind of enjoying their playing, but from a betting angle, we're here to make money. We're here to win money, and we're yeah. here to make sure our dollars get put to good work. Um, so in this case, I would take Tennessee Titans at the minus one and a half point spread. I mm. mean, at that case, you're getting tremendous minus one ten value at a low point spread. It's it's kind of and you're expected, the Titans are expected to kind of win this game, at least in my eyes. I would yeah. take them on the spread, and I would also take the over in this game if you're looking for a nice parlay, just because 41 and a half is, is extremely low. And on both ends of the field, the coaches are not Bill Belichick. So they're not a team that is going to maintain the other team in terms of points. <laughs> you saw the Steelers get lit up by the Vikings last week. On I mean, the ground, on the ground. Exactly. So we have the similar things could actually happen against the Steelers. So in this case, Titans against the spread and then uh, take the over on the 41 and a half points. Yeah, it's way cool. And the Steelers defense can't stop a fucking fly, uh, stop a beach ball at this point. Uh, this is a, you're definitely going with the over on this one. That's alarmingly low. Um, completely agree there. Um, so that wraps up the coin flip. Uh, obviously a little shorter here because we're down to man. We're playing, we're playing, uh, we're playing short on the field here. So, um, so let's take a look at the dog pound. Um, we like the we like our underdog picks a lot of the times, and this was a little interesting. So we'll see how this one goes. But I got the Bengals versus the Broncos. Um, the way that uh, the Broncos have been kind of playing has been pretty good. It's a little uh, been surprising. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals come out. I mean, considering I heard Joe Burrow kept the game close against. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they got it into overtime. Um, unfortunately, the Bengals defense couldn't really help them there and get a stop, and um, they let Jimmy Garoppolo kind of work his magic and get them down, get the 49ers down to the tie of the game and then ultimately win it. Um, so this one's going to be interesting. I'm going to take a look at some of the opening lines here because I'm really liking... Um, I do like the Cincinnati Bengals as a plus three underdog here on this one, so... Uh, the lines opened up at uh, plus five and a half uh, with Cincinnati as the underdog and plus uh, minus five and a half for Denver. But um, the thing is here is as we're looking at like where the bets are placed, um, after being moved to plus three underdogs, there's 62% of the bets being placed on Cincinnati here. But the thing is, is that it doesn't really translate on the money side of things. So if you look at the money movement, only 22% of the money has been placed on the Bengals. I'm... Thinking here, yeah, they kind of hammered down the, the spread a little, um, considering where the money's kind of the bets have been placed and where the money's been going. But we've got 70% of the money on Denver. But a lot of people, regardless that there's no money on Denver here, a lot of people are feeling high on Cincinnati. And I just want for them to stay in the hunt for um, a playoff spot after last week's loss against San Francisco in overtime. They need to win. And I think they're going to come out urgent. And Joe Burrow is going to try and prove that he can. Get the Cincinnati team into a playoff spot. Um, we can kind of take a look at the. Uh, I'm not even going to look at the over under here. We'll just take a look at the uh, the spread and the money line. I mean, Cincinnati actually opened up as the favorites at minus 164, and they got moved to a plus 130 underdog. Um, you're still seeing the same kind of thing here. You got a lot of bets placed on Cincinnati, but only 32% of the money actually on them. So it's a weird thing. A lot of people are placing a lot of bets on them but it's not a lot of money heading on them either so who knows um we'll see how that kind of plays out um 
Look, Bill Mixon got uh, held uh, in check last week against San Francisco, and I think he's going to look for a bounce back game. He lost his uh, touchdown streak. I'm guessing, uh, I'm, thank God, I looked at Dylan's player props because uh, I have Bill Mixon in fantasy. So I think Dylan, like you said, we got to fade all his picks. So you shouldn't hit the under on that Bill Mixon anytime touchdown. Um, but uh, yeah, his uh, touchdown streak ended at nine games as of last week. Uh, he didn't uh, get into the end zone there. and it was a little disappointing. So, um, so let's take a look at some of the betting trends here. I mean, the Bengals trends are pretty good. Um, they're decent, not amazing, but there there's some trends here that we can kind of take a look at in terms of um, them against the spread. So they're six and seven against the spread this season, and they're three and three against the spread as underdogs. So they're 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 hitting at fifty percent as underdogs against the spread. So it's not that bad. Um, I do think they can do some damage against Denver with that offense and that. The way they've been kind of clicking. So um, they're four and two against the spread on the road, though, which is also very good because they're going into the Mile High City in Denver. Um, and I think they can do well. And the trends keep supporting that because they're two and one against the spread as the way underdogs. Um, and if you keep in mind that they lost last week, another really good trend here is if you include the spread after a loss. Uh, I'm liking the Bengals here. I do think it's a great bounce back spot. Uh, the thing is, is that. If you're going to play this underdog bet, I do like the spread. It's not the worst at plus three because you can definitely get a field goal. And considering the altitude in Denver, your kicker's got a bit more range, barring any adverse weather conditions with the wind. Um, obviously, with the thinner air up there, the ball travels a lot better. So you're, you add like plus 15 to everyone distance. I mean, it's just in tough, can hit a 60 plus yarder in regular air conditions at the sea level, I'm sure you could probably go for 80 plus yards uh, out in uh, out in Denver if Baltimore ever decided to go there. I think it was as long as stay, but almost close to 70 yards, if not more. We saw it happen this year where you hit the crossbar and bounced in uh, for them to get an upset win. But um, I'm liking the spread here. Um, I would probably take a straight-up winner because Teddy Bridgewater is a very effective passer. He's very calculated. He's going to protect the ball. So I could see him kind of keeping the game close for Denver. Um, but I, you got value whether you go for the straight-up winner for the Bengals or along the spread. So And the trends support them on the road. So I'm really liking them as the, uh, the pick here. Um, so that's it for our prop me up segment, uh, not prop me up, uh, dog pound segment. Um, so let's take a look at, uh, Dylan, uh, despite not being here, he's here in spirit. He kind of left us with two really interesting, uh, player props in our prop me up segment. So let's get into it. Uh, you want to read out the first one, Nick, from Dylan here? We got a, I like this one considering how well we've been playing as of late. Uh, this one's a really interesting one because we're finally going towards something different on quarterbacks instead of yardage and touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, so Dylan actually is taking a player prop, and I believe he bet it. I think I, well, I'm going to bet it as well coming into the game. You got Patrick Mahomes, total pass attempts, over 33 and a half um, pass attempts. I mean, Mahomes is entering his game averaging 38.6 attempts per game and put up 44 against the Chargers in week three. And just kind of with recency bias, how hot he's been playing, how good the, the Chiefs have been playing, you're getting plus five differential, 
based on the line that it set versus his average over the last couple of games. And it's just, to me, it just screams value. 100%. I completely agree. And especially considering how we've, we've spoken about Justin Herbert and how many, I think earlier when we started posting up episodes and recording, I had a couple of uh, breakdowns on Justin Herbert because I did have him as a player prop where I, I kind of highlighted him and some of the matchups we were kind of breaking down on the betting side of things. These two offenses, when they're on, can score. These two quarterbacks can throw the ball. So this is... For this game to, to play out and considering how well these two teams do play and how they can put up points, both quarterbacks are going to have to throw and they're going to have to go toe to toe. And I really do think uh, this player prop does work out. Um, there's no way you're, you're going to win by throwing less than 30 times against the Chargers, especially with the running backs that um, Kansas City has. Okay, Darrell Williams kind of emerged a little bit as like a, a workhorse back, uh, kind of doing well, but. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't really think it's going to be that it's not going to be a run heavy game. They're going to have to throw. Um, 100%. So, yeah. 100%. So uh, let's take a look at a second one there. Uh, bring it, introduce this one too, Nick. Uh, I'm really liking this player prop too. It's interesting. Well, Buffalo Bills um, have not been playing well. Well, I mean, they've been playing decently, but they haven't been winning games. And yeah. so. Stefan Diggs is Dylan's next player prop. Stefan Diggs, anytime touchdown. And the reason why I believe it's offering plus money on this bet on this particular player prop, it's two games in a row that Stefan Diggs doesn't get a touchdown. The the Bills have not beat the Bucks. They're kind of on a bit of a and there's kind of a trend going on on social media where people are saying it's not an overreaction if the Buffalo Bills do not make the playoffs, just given their recent form. Mm-hmm. And so in order for the Bills to bounce back, Josh Allen has to step up. And once Josh Allen steps up, his guy, his go-to guy is Stephon Diggs. So if the Bills want to come out with a W, which they should in this particular game, Stephon Diggs will be part of any success on the offense. Once your turn kind of compliments this player prop and saying Stephon Diggs will receive a touchdown anytime throughout the game. And it's a bet that you should lock in along with the Patrick Mahomes one. 100%. I agree. And not for anything, he's gone two games in a row without a touchdown. And okay, let's eliminate the game against the Patriots where the win just made no sense. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. Um, and obviously, the Bucks are going to kind of like, it's Tom Brady's game. You know how it is. So I do see expecting to bounce back here. It should be good. Um, so I, I would lock those in. I'd I throw them into a parlay for sure. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, let's take a look at uh, my player props here. I got uh, back to my boy there, Jonathan Taylor, uh, over um, over uh, over uh, 0.5 rushing touchdowns. We saw it against a very strong Bucks defense. Um, he's matchup proof. Yeah, they kept him under 100 yards. He still found the end zone. He's he's money when it comes to touchdowns. This guy has been unreal. He's been putting up video game numbers. I. I think Bill Belichick is going to have his hands full um, trying to keep him under control. So it'll be interesting, and this is going to be a real test. Um, if Jonathan Taylor can find his way into the end zone and, and put up numbers against one of the greatest football minds to ever coach the game, whose game plans are literally to eliminate your team star player, we're going to have to see if he can step up here. I really think he does. I think he finds uh, he finds the end zone. Uh, so I got him at... Uh, 
over uh, half a, a 0.5 rushing touchdowns. And uh, next one's a little bit of a tribute to our boy Dylan, who's uh, who's sitting on the IR. Um, I got his boy. I got his boy Cooper Cup over zero and uh, 0.5 receiving touchdowns. Um, they're going up against Seattle. Um, Seattle secondary has been vulnerable. Um, Matt Stafford's been playing really well, and he finally looked good in prime time against Arizona. We watched that Monday Nighter. Um, he looked really good for once. So we're going to see how uh, if he could keep that trend going. I think he does. Um, he's going to have no choice. He's going up against Russell Wilson. He's kind of found his groove again. He's going for touchdowns. So I think Cooper Cup does get a get, does get over the half, uh, one uh, zero point five receiving touchdowns. A bonus here, which might really help Cooper Cup. I mean, as much as they start doubling Cooper Cup in coverage, if we'll double back in plays, because he's also on COVID, uh, he's on the COVID uh, reserve list right now. So we're going to see how that plays out. If Odell suits up, they're going to have to pick their poison here. It's either you double Cooper Cup or you double Odell. And Odell's been finally scoring touchdowns again, passes from uh, Matt Stafford in dangerous, uh, dangerous situations. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pete Carroll kind of approaches that, if they're going to keep double teaming Cooper Cup as most teams have, or if they're going to kind of maybe spread it out because you don't want to focus too much on one or the other player. If Odell plays, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, kind of setup here to see what's going to happen. And I do think Cup can definitely benefit from that with uh, Odell suiting up as well. So uh, I got uh, uh, Cooper Cup over uh, 0.5 receiving touchdowns. Uh, Nick, uh, the NBA Oracle, hit me with your uh, NBA player props. What are you seeing in that, uh, your orb over there for uh, NBA bets? So again, Player NBA player props are to be taken over the next seven calendar days, just given how um, how much the NBA fluctuates in compar- comparison to the NFL and how many more games they play. So the two team two players that I'm finding immediate value, and just given the recency of injuries and COVID protocols on their teams, first one is PJ Tucker with the Miami Heat. Now this guy is getting. He's getting undervalued by the books in terms of all stats lines, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, three-pointers, points, everything he's been doing or everything that the book has set as a line, he's been absolutely crushing it. He's hit his overs in the last three games, and that's just given due to his uh, his, uh, new responsibility that he has on the team and absence of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, um, Victor Oladipo, Keith Chanel on injury. So P.J. Tucker... We saw him last year with the Milwaukee Bucks. He was kind of the brute force of the Milwaukee Bucks. He actually was that missing piece that helped him win the championship. And now with the Miami Heat, he's actually taking on more of a leadership role. With the leadership role comes more minutes on the court. He's averaging over three minutes a game. And because there are no other players or no other leaders on the team that are as qualified as he is, he has the ball in his hands. And so the books have set his totals. I mean, for a player that has been averaging... 12, 13 points a game over the last three games, minimum of eight rebounds over the last three games, and six assists over the last three games. The books have set his total points, rebounds, and assists at over 17. He's close to crushing it just on his points alone. So you're getting absolute tremendous value on his player props. So going forward over the next calendar days, take P.J. Tucker on the over points, take him on the over points, rebounds, and assists. And now another player that you should highly, highly consider is once again, and I say this week after week after week, mm-hmm. and it just continues to make me money. Personally, it makes me money. It makes our our customers money. It makes everybody I know around me money. Nikola Jokic 
on over points, rebounds, and assists. Once again, Nikola Jokic is the only superstar right now on the Denver Nuggets that is getting game time. Whether Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. plays, Nikola Jokic is on the court. But when he doesn't play, he has the ball in his hands more often as he's considered the general. And he just kind of navigates the way the Nuggets succeed. Um, and he's kind of the main reason for their success. He is on the court a minimum of 35 minutes a game. He is within the paint, spreading the floor, putting up points, collecting rebounds, dishing out assists. So he's stacking the stats line. And I know this for a fact because he's averaging me on NBA Fantasy an average of 70 points or upwards or uh, on the bottom level of 60 points fantasy per game. So he's just a stats stacker and he's a delivery guy when it comes to winning games. Surprisingly, the Nuggets have won games. So if I have to leave you with one, take Nikola Jokic on the over points, rebounds, and assists. And if you want more of a guarantee one, take Nikola Jokic on the rebounds. I mean, if you just look at his stat line over the last three games, he's been unreal. He's the books set his stat line at 12 and a half. Against the Spurs, he's averaged th- he got 13 rebounds. Against the Spurs again, back to back game, he collected 17 rebounds. And against the Wizards, he's collected 19 rebounds. Now he's playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves as we speak. Halftime has just entered, or they just finished halftime, and he's already had seven rebounds going against Carantine Towns. This just goes to prove that Nikola Jokic is an absolute monster on the court. 100%. I'm looking at the that uh, stat graphic you put up in our notes here. I mean, since he's played the Bulls, he's, uh, he's got a triple-double against the Bulls on December 6th. The game right after against the Pelicans, got a triple-double. Um, the same, the game right after, the first game against his first triple-double, fell short by two assists uh, in the, the rubber match against the Spurs on December 11th. And he almost got himself another one against the Wizards on the 13th last night, right? Uh, two nights ago. So, I mean, this guy has just been an absolute machine. And you're seeing that, obviously, because he has to play in the paint. Because he needs to kind of overcompensate. He's the general. The well, yeah. Well, with, without him, the Nuggets are not going to be the Nuggets. The Nuggets will then be considered a Sacramento Kings or an Orlando Magic. Nikola Jokic is keeping the Nuggets a competitive team. It's actually unbelievable what this guy from Serbia could do. One of the most non-conventional looking basketball players in the league. Won MVP last season and has installed fear with the Nuggets, especially in the Miami Heat, because the Miami Heat have lost to the Nuggets in back-to-back games in blowout fashion. And Nikola has actually injured Markeith Morris for 17 games ever since he put shoved him in the back. So all this to say is Nikola Jokic is someone to keep an eye out for. And if you want to bet on someone, take P.J. Tucker on the over points, rebounds, and assists. Take Nikola Jokic over points, rebounds, and assists. And you got yourself some, some winning bet slips at the end of the day. Now let's move on to our final game of the of the pod. It's going to be a quick one. We got the Thursday night matchup. We got the Chiefs and the Chargers, and I'll let Mass take it up. I mean, what else uh, do you guys want to say about this game? We're expecting this one to be an absolute shootout, hopefully. It's considering, look, um, there's some obviously some implications for the playoffs because they are in the same division. And now that the Chiefs are kind of rallying, um, it's been good. The Chargers had a bit of a skid at some point as well. So there's a lot to play uh, happening in this game from a general viewership perspective. I mean, like we said, the Chiefs are back to their scary offensive subs that we've seen them putting up points and obviously covering. Um, but the Chargers have been, obviously, we know they could be an explosive um, an explosive offense as well. And they're not going to take this game lightly. It's a divisional matchup. It's going to be a great game. We're going to see what happens. But 
Uh, we obviously know that the Chargers won the first time around uh, against them, uh, 30 to 24. Uh, hopefully, I think it's going to be a revenge match for the Chiefs, especially now that they found their form. It's going to be really, really uh, interesting across the board in terms of offense and rankings. They're all very close. Uh, they're all pretty much up there. Um, like we said earlier in the in the, the podcast, uh, the Chiefs are covering the spread often enough again where we can't talk shit about them, which is really upsetting because I'm trying to find really bad things to say about the Chiefs. I really don't like them. Um, I really don't like Patrick Mahomes either, but he's a great guy. And I just don't like the Chiefs team. It's been uh, a little annoying to watch. Um, let's take a look at some opening lines here. I mean, the Chiefs opened up, obviously, as the minus three favorites and the Chargers are the plus three underdog. Uh, despite them winning last time, but there's no change. And I couldn't understand why. Um, I mean, obviously, not with the no change, but I can understand why the Chiefs are the favorite. We've been watching them play as of late. It's been scary. And it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be interesting. But uh, there's a lot of bets placed on the Chiefs here uh, in terms of uh, percentage of bets. But the percentage of money is kind of close. We got 54% of the money uh, on the Chiefs, of course, 6% on the Chargers, um, especially. I expect it to be close. It's obvious. It's a divisional game. So, um, it, it is what it is. I think people are a bit torn on where they kind of want to place their, their money, but look, uh, we'll see how it plays out uh, tomorrow night. Um, the over-under is set at 52 and a half with, with very good reason. Um, these two teams can't score. Uh, we saw the last time they came, they put up 54 points total, 52 and a half with no change. Um, I, I completely agree with the books on this one. I really do think it's a great over-under and I'm happy they didn't adjust it Either way, because I think if it would have gone a bit more higher, a little higher here over 52, like closer to 53, 54, it'd be a bit of a stretch with it. And this is a fair over under set at 52 and a half because there's the uh, opportunity for them to explode. Um, we've seen it with both teams when they're on their A game. Um, a lot of people are taking the over as well in terms of where the bets and the money are going. Um, well, mostly with the bets, uh, it's everyone's got a lot of bets on the over, and obviously, rightfully so. We've seen these offenses put up money, but where the money is going is kind of different. It's kind of close, but you still got you got some people placing bets on the under here. Uh, a, a little more than half half the money on this game is on the under, which is a little shocking. Um, but like I said, we'll see. Uh, the biggest factor in this game, in terms of determining the over under and what's going to happen, uh, Austin Eckler is a bit question is questionable. And he's been an absolute uh, outside of the receivers in uh, Mike Williams, Guyton, um, and Guyton at wide receiver. I mean, Eckler has been incredible for, for the Chargers. So if he sits, uh, I could see maybe maybe a different kind of game plan for the Chargers because they do like using Eckler out in the open and throwing to him as well. He's really good uh, in terms of catching off the backfield, but Look, we'll see what happens there. And then in terms of the money line, not a lot of movement, um, nothing major. I mean, you got the Chiefs at minus 145 after opening at minus 164, and the Chargers at plus 140 after opening at plus 138. A lot of people are favoring the Chiefs, Chiefs obviously, especially with the form recently, the form they're in. And uh, a large chunk of the money is on the Chiefs to win straight up as well. Um, but let's take a look at some of the trends here. I mean, the Chiefs have helped their abysmal record for covering the spread uh, recently, moving themselves to six and seven against the spread this season. They've been covering the last few games, as we've probably spoken about it. They're, they're, they're showing that they can cover. 
um, from a betting perspective. They're six and seven against the spread as favorites, and three and two against the spread on the road. And this one's being played in Los Angeles, so I can understand why um, this 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 stat right here might be a bit more uh, interesting to kind of take a look at, um, more so than their other stats. Because obviously, they're always going to be the favorites in a lot of these games. But uh, the way they've been playing early season and struggling to win, um, I mean, they were putting up points too. They were struggling to get a full game together and kind of get everything clicking. So um, don't take a look at them as favorites or their current record against uh, against Australia throughout the season because it's a whole different Chiefs team we're looking at here. Um, and then in the over, I mean, considering how much they they can score and we've seen a good stretch of time where they were kind of struggling to score. So they're about 500 um, with the over in uh, Chiefs games. Um, let's take a look at the Chargers. We're going to kind of get through this a little quicker. Also, a little bit better than the Chiefs, obviously. They're 6-7-6 six, and six against the spread. Um, they're 3-1 against the spread as underdogs. And I like that one because I feel like Justin Herbert feels like he has a lot to prove, and that's why he really just really comes out there gunning and really tries to do his best. This guy makes some ridiculous throws, like, it was like three minutes left in the second quarter, right before halftime last game. And he just threw an absolute 67-yard bomb to Dighton uh, for a score. Like, no one really would do that. Justin Herbert saw him downfield, 69, 67, 69 yards. Hit him with a touchdown. Uh, why not? The guy's got the arm for it. Um, and the over in the Chargers game is pretty much the same record as the Chiefs, kind of in the middle. Um, this game is just going to be really fun to watch more than anything. It could either go one of two ways. It gets really boring to watch because they're playing very conservatively or it gets really, really, really exciting. And we see the shootout we all want to see uh, between Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I like the over on this game. As much as a lot of people are saying the under, I'm really liking the over because if these teams explode, I can see them putting up 60 points apiece, like 60 points together combined. You know what I mean? They have the ability to do that and hit closer to 65. Um, their last game they played, they put up 54. So the 52 and a half is uh, it's a fair over, but I think they can do a lot more considering that there's a lot on the line here. And um, Patrick Mahomes is back in form, right? With exactly. Patrick Mahomes in form, you you just it's lean tough. with the Chiefs until proven otherwise. I mean, up in, up until they started covering spreads and Patrick Mahomes started coming out and and putting up slingers and, and recording touchdowns. I, me and Dylan, at least at the beginning, I'm sure, I don't know if you were riding with us, but we were, I was fading the Chiefs. Everybody was riding the Chiefs. We were fading the Chiefs just because of the terrible I know, 100%. 100%. We saw what their record was. I would have never put money on the Chiefs against the spread. There's no way. Not even if you gave me a free bet. I wouldn't even throw your money, like, on the Chiefs early season. But the way they've been playing now, it's been uh, it's been interesting. So, I mean, do you, you like them against the spread in this game? I, I would just given how well Patrick Mahomes is playing, and I know that's not a good betting logic, but just given the recency of, of his performance, he's getting hot while it counts going into the I guess the playoffs. Yeah. And th- this is a pivotal match for the for the Chiefs. They continue this win streak, they pick they bring in the momentum to the playoffs, has enough. If the momentum carries, they can bring themselves all the way to the Super Bowl. You never know how it could turn out, just as long as Patrick Mahomes keeps up the momentum. And in order for him to keep that momentum up, he has to keep winning games. And this is the, Thursday night football. After all the criticism he's been taking, after all the family issues that have been going on with the Mahomes family, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes and the Chiefs, I believe are in a perfect position for a bounce back spot, given just given the performance at the beginning half of the season, to continue their momentum that they've been riding and just take over on the Chargers. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I do like the Chargers in this game too, though. I mean, it could go, it could swing either way. Um, this is also another one of those really good uh, coin flip kind of games you want to break down, but you have to save for the Thursday nighter because it is the Thursday nighter. Um, you can't go wrong either side here, uh, whether you're picking a straight up winner or the spread, because obviously the game can be high scoring, and I could see some team, one team pulling away more so than the other. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm definitely going to tune in tomorrow to watch this one. It's going to be an exciting game. Um, so okay. that's pretty much it. Uh, you got anything to plug, Nick? Anything coming up? No, that's uh, nothing. Just the only thing to plug is that the Daily Stakes is working on something that would be player prop related where you'd be able to kind of get props, projections on every player that's offered by the sports books. So something to just keep in mind entering the new year because we are going to hook you up with something that is data-based and will give you enough information for you to make an informed decision with literally within five minutes or less. So we're working on that. It's in the works. We're excited to show you what's going to come in Q- in uh, 2022. And with that, I mean, we're all going to be cashing bets together. So just get ready to see this upcoming momentum on the Daily Stakes side. And uh, let's do it. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We're, we're, we're obviously working very hard. Nick's been heavily involved in the design side of this uh this product we're working on to include with uh, everything else we do to help you guys make informed, uh, informed betting decisions. And obviously, we just want to make you guys money. We just want to help you make money and learn how to kind of navigate these murky waters of sports betting uh, if you're just dipping your toes into it uh, as a newcomer. So um, nothing else to plug here. That's pretty much it. This wraps up uh, episode nine. Man. Time flies, man. You believe I know, this? Crazy. Episode nine. Took us nine episodes to go live and to show our fucking mugs, you know, so uh, they can finally see some of the faces. Uh, we're going to have a grand reveal for Dylan next week uh, once we pull him and clear him off the IR and he gets in a couple of practice reps. You know, we can't throw exactly. him into game time, uh, game time situations uh, cold, so we're going to have to ease him in. Uh, so we're going to take a look. Uh, and uh, I'm your host, uh, Massimo Richo. This is my co-host, Nick. Uh, we're signing out. Um, We'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Daily Stakes podcast. You can catch a new episode at 9 a.m. Eastern every Thursday on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find us at our website, www.thedailystakes.com, across Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Daily Stakes. And every Monday... On the Five Reasons Sport Network on Donald Daily at 3.30, you can catch either Mass, Dylan, or Nick talking the Monday night football game and some basketball with our good friend and host of that show, Alex Donald. And as always, please bet responsibly.